Welcome to Safety Talk. Personal safety expert Pete Canavan shares his insights and interviews experts who provide simple and effective tips, techniques, and technologies to keep you safe and secure both online and off. Here's Pete. Hello, and welcome to another informative episode of Safety Talk. I am your host, Pete Canavan, and I am joined with my co-host, Neil Haley. Neil, how are you today? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, it's uh, Monday's almost over, and it was a busy Monday, and this is a busy week. March really becomes madness in so many ways. I think people wake up uh, when it starts warming up a bit, and uh, we kind of are having a little bit of spring-like weather, but not to the level I want, but at least something. It's a coming, uh, although our guest today is from Florida, so he can bust our chops about the warm weather there. So, <laughs> um, so first, uh, we're going to take a quick look at some of the safety news this week. And, uh, you know, every week there's always something going on. Uh, first of all, there was a huge breach, a major breach of personal data that was reported this week from FEMA. FEMA was actually breached, and they leaked the information of about two and a half million people out there. This included oh, the, uh, yeah, unbelievable. Uh, some of the survivors of Hurricane Harvey, which uh, hit Texas back in uh, 2017. It revealed personal addresses, banking information, a lot of, lot of other stuff. So, you know, this is uh, one of the things we talk about on the show is, you know, protecting yourself, your identity and all of that, like from identity theft that is, you know, just illustrates yet another reason to be vigilant about keeping an eye on your identity because you never know where your information may be. And if that, you know, particular company entity ends up getting hacked, uh, I could expose that. So always keep an eye on things. It scares me because, again, that's where you always constantly have to watch out for it. You always got to constantly see if there is any type of scandal or anything. But these companies should hire someone like you, Pete, to manage it because <laughs> that wouldn't happen. In FEMA, that would have been a nice contract. But, you know? <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, it's, uh, it's crazy. But it just, you know, it really illustrates the point that it can happen to anybody. It doesn't matter if you're the largest, largest uh, you know, government agency or the smallest uh, small business, the chance of a problem happening to you is great. I mean, about 80% of all businesses were the victim of some sort of attempted hack in the last uh, couple of years, and most of them don't even know it. So it's a, it's a scary, scary thing. Uh, the second piece of news we had is has to do with a major cyber attack on some large corporations. And this, uh, they're still sorting through all the details, but again, it illustrates the point that there are people out there looking to do you harm. They are looking to, you know, get into a company to pull records out, to do whatever they can, whether it's to encrypt that data and hold it for ransom, or whether it's to download it and sell it to a competitor. You never no. So it's extremely important that you always stay as secure as humanly possible. You don't fall for any of these, you know, phishing emails that we see all the time. So it's just scary because there's a, there's a lot of problems. And of course, there are always going to be legal ramifications. And uh, that kind of leads me right into our guest today, who is an attorney. And our guest today is Carmen Delutri. And Carmen is a board certified consumer bankruptcy attorney. He has over 20 years of experience practicing law, and he's also the managing partner of the Delutri Law Group down in Florida. And he's also the co-founder of uh, the BankruptcyLawNetwork.com. Uh, 
Uh, Carmen is not your typical lawyer, though. He is the man you want to speak with when it comes to keeping your business, your company, and yourself safe. So I thought he would make a great guest for Safety Talk, and he could talk to us about the legal side of safety today. So welcome to Safety Talk, Carmen. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you, Pete. And thank you, Neil, for having me. I appreciate it. Excellent. You're welcome. Well, uh, maybe you could start our listeners off with a little bit of uh, of your background and what it is that you uh, do for your clients, what it is that that your company is all about. Okay. Well, kind of going back, I started the Dilutri Law Group with one simple reason in mind. I wanted to represent consumers who are trying to protect themselves from either getting scammed by like getting their information stolen or in the realm of personal injury when they have an injury. So perfect example would be a slip and fall. Somebody goes to the grocery store, they slip and fall. Who's at fault? Is it, you know, the grocery store's fault? Was it the person's fault? I like to protect the consumer against the big business who screws up. If you want to say that, we have a David and Goliath uh, complex, you might say. <laughs> well, and, and a lot of times, yeah. you know, people are intimidated by large companies. They may be afraid to report something because they think, you know, who am I? I'm just this person who happened to have a problem. And, you know, they're going to bring their attorneys, you know, in. And, and what chance do I have? So you go after them. Yep, <laughs> we do. So there's hope. And, and there's is hope. there really hope? And that's the thing, Carmen. Is there really hope that you, that you can help the little guy win? And in so many ways, especially when the corporations have so much money and so much power of a, of their attorneys versus someone like yourself. And, but you, I know you have power, but can really the little guy win? Because that's the some things a lot of people say, I'm just not going to fight. I just know I can't win, so I won't even try. And that's, that's really, I'm, I'm glad you brought up that point. That's exactly where we come into it. Maybe I'm so dumb, I don't know I can lose. But the reality is if somebody comes into me and says, Carmen, you know, uh, Wells Fargo is taking advantage of me. They're trying to take my house and they've screwed up my payments. Well, then I'm the guy for that person because I want to go in. I want to see what I can do to help them straighten out their mortgage so they don't lose their house wrongfully. Or like somebody says, hey, Carmen, I was at this local restaurant. And when I walked in the door, they had this piece of metal on the floor that was bent over and I tripped and fell. I never even saw it. You know, now my knee's blown out. I've missed three weeks of work. And what am I going to do? And I called their insurance company and the insurance company tells me, well, it's not my, it's not, it's not our client's fault. It's not the restaurant's fault. So, you know, basically we're not going to give you anything for it, but yet I can't pay my mortgage next month. What do I do? I'm the guy you want to call because I will look at those cases. And if I think they have merit, I have no problem suing the big guy. I'm just not worried about it. I'm going to go after him. I'm going to get my client. That's great. Yeah. I want them to prove their case. If I can prove my case. <laughs> then I'm the guy for you. But if I can't prove my case, I'm going to tell you, look, you know, they didn't do something wrong or, you know, something this or something that I'm going to tell you the truth and say, look, we have a case or we don't have a case, but I'm not going to shy away from it because I'm afraid of a big corporation or, you know, tall building lawyers. That's for sure. So you want to, you know, obviously help the little guy, but we don't ever want to see a problem like that even happen in the first place. Obviously we don't want to see people get hurt. And so we want to try to you know, maybe educate these corporations and different companies and say, hey, you know, what are what are some things that they can do to, you know, maybe make their property safer? Maybe there are some safeguards. I mean, what would be the main thing that a company could do to, you know, maybe avoid a potential lawsuit from someone like yourself? Pete, that's a great, great, great question. And the, the reality it comes down to is eliminate carelessness. Educate your employees first on looking for those little things where people can get hurt. 
I mean, let's say, for example, you have a baby in the house. What do you do? You run around, you make sure all the corners are taped off, you put on the safety drawers, you do all the things to protect the baby. Similarly, when you have a business, you've got to do everything possible to protect that consumer coming through the door. I mean, look at my office or a law firm, for example. If somebody's going to come see me, even if they're not going to hire me, they're still coming through my doors and I still owe them a duty to protect them of hazards which they may not be able to see. The chair, my client chairs, if it's not a good chair, I'm going to have to get rid of that. Exactly. That's in it. That's my fault because I didn't warn them of that obvious hazard. So, so your it, office has got rubber walls, right? Yeah. So <laughs> so it's important for companies, we're not just talking about the individual that's going to sue, that a company, especially bigger companies or even small businesses, really take and look at what they're doing as a company and making sure they're being safe, that they're not putting themselves in opportunities that could be lawsuits, correct? Absolutely, absolutely. And, and again, as a business owner, that's your first duty is to protect your, your customer, your client, your consumer who's coming through the door. That, and again, you got the business owner, I feel, it's incumbent upon them to make sure that the employees know that it's, it's their duty as well to protect that consumer. If you see something that's wrong, take, it, take care of it right away. You know, if the door's a little loose, get that door fixed. If the chair's not looking you know, too sturdy, get that chair out of there. Don't even, give, don't even take the chance of having that problem. So you got a twofold approach. You've got the owner who's got to be on, on vigilant. Then you got the employees who got to be vigilant. But you also got to the owner's got to buy adequate insurance to make sure that he or she is protected. And I have a great relationship with my insurance agent. I walk out and I say, "Hey, come on to my place. You're insuring it. You tell me what you've seen in the past that might potentially be a problem for me." A good friend of mine does that. He, he yeah. goes around and he checks it and he looks for hazards before his company will actually go and insure a property. Sure. And he's been dealing with a lot of larger like malls and things like that where he's going around and did all the different you know, uh, stores inside there to look for any sorts of hazards before his company will come in and say, okay, we're going to issue you insurance. Absolutely. Now, you have your physical door that somebody comes in, right? Uh, but there's also the virtual door. Right. Where there's the website. So somebody comes to your website and, you know, I was just talking about a data breach. You know, you're trusting that company to protect you, to protect your data, to look out for your well-being and to put all the proper safeguards in place to prevent against a cyber attack or hacker or some sort of social engineering. And a lot of that is going to fall on the actual education that goes on within that company to let the employees know these are the things you need to look out for. These are the reasons why we do th- what we do in this company. Uh, and I, I mean, would you agree? I mean, there's that physical door they're coming in, and then there's also the digital door. Sure, absolutely. I mean, we actually had it about maybe a year or two ago a big data breach down in Southwest Florida. This group, 21st Century Oncology, huge medical practice down here. For I some reason, that. somebody got through their back door and. Everybody in town got letters saying, hey, you know, if you were involved in 21st century, people were going calling me up saying, I never went to 21st century oncology, but yet somebody's got my information. How did they do this? Wow. And again, I'm no cyber criminal war expert, but I know that all these people, it all started when they, when 21st century oncology got breached because it was like wildfire and everybody was involved in it instantaneously. I mean, instantaneously. So. Are they, let's just say, 
I was part of the target breach, right? I used my credit card and my information was taken. Do I even have any opportunity to sue to get some money? I didn't, I didn't deal. I don't know if my data ever was one of them that was taken from target, but do I have any recourse against the company? I'll be honest with you, Neil. That's a great question. And here's the problem with it. Usually those cases are brought on a class action basis. And, and I'll use 21st century oncology for a, um, a guinea pig, they wound up filing bankruptcy, I believe. Wow. So any and all causes of action against them were swept up in the bankruptcy. But let's say, for example, it's a company that can afford to take the hit. It'll usually turn out to be a class action or multi-district litigation that'll all be consolidated. And then the consumer usually winds up getting a year of uh, credit monitoring for free, which you know is basically a joke. Right. Yeah. Because I mean, it's, what can you do really? I mean, there's, I got a great story. Uh, one of the, uh, uh, oh my gosh, this was just really just poorly done a company and it'll come to me. Oh, it was one of my invest financial advisors. They sent an envelope (laughs) opened, didn't take like first class mail, sent it. It was open with all my information, social security, all that to sign signatures. And all they offered me was credit monitoring. All they offered me is, Hey, we're going to for a year, look and check to see what happens. So guess what? I took my business elsewhere. I left in a second, said, see you later. I'm getting another financial. And I went off on them. I said, you should give me more. You really messed up. They, you should fire this person. This was absolutely just done poorly. And it was, Ed, it was, is, and it was, it was Edward Jones too, but go ahead, Carmen. Well, I was going to say there was a, something that happened to me in that same realm. We were uh, filing a lot of cases in bankruptcy court and the bankruptcy court changed its rules so that now you could no longer um, put people's private information out there. And of course, creditors were putting people's private information out there and I started suing them left and right. I mean, I was filing lots of lawsuits against these guys for breaching my client's data. Well, one of the creditors gets in front of the judge and says, well, your honor, we removed that document. And we had a judge who was probably in his mid eighties and he goes, well, Mr. Dellutri, you know, they just removed the document. So that's gone. I'm like, your honor, nothing leaves the internet, nothing. It's out there somewhere. We could probably pull it up. If I had a hacker here in two seconds that we could pull up this private data again, it doesn't go away. You can't just say I fixed the problem because I removed that document. That's not how it works. But he basically said, oh, no, you can't do this anymore. You can't sue the creditors for doing this because if they remove the document, there's no harm, no foul. And I was like, Judge, you don't seem to get it. This is not good. But No, and unfortunately for him, he doesn't understand it. And, you know, it's it's a it's a really bad problem. You know, you've got cyber attacks happening left and right. You have the one I just talked about, but it's like every day there's there's something going on in the news. And it's so important for a company to have a cybersecurity plan and a program in place that takes a look at everything that happens within the company, starting with their mission and vision, going through all the documents, all the threat potentials, all the risks, and then coming up with a plan because they're going to say, well, you know, it's not going to happen to us. Baloney. It is going to happen to you. And the day it happens, you're going to really wish that you had that plan to tell you exactly what to do in order to recover from it. Yep, so, I agree. you know, it's, it's, it's really a, a scary thing. What, um, Let's see what other question I could ask you here. Um, in, you know, w- when you have a, a a company that's that's facing a lawsuit, okay, or maybe they've just gone through uh, a major lawsuit, and they're thinking to themselves, right. "Man, I do not want to go through that again." Um, 
is there something that they would they could do to you know sort of make that lawsuit uh, or future lawsuits be maybe a little bit more preventable? Because I mean they're no they're no fun for anybody. They're not, and it, it depends on what type of business it really is. I mean, if it's a business that's got a lot of consumer foot traffic, like uh, to say for my office, for instance, we got people coming in and out the door all day long. And there's potential in rainy season in Florida. If you've ever been here, you know it. Every afternoon, the skies open up. Bam, we get hit with rain. Everything's soaking wet. People don't wear the right shoes, and they might slip and fall. So what do you can do? You can go out. You can put like a sandy grit on all of your you know, walkways. You can put rugs out to sop up the water. But you never know what's going to happen. So you've got to take extra precautions, knowing your audience. That's great. And yeah. knowing the weather conditions. Right to prevent those injuries. In other words, what I'm saying in a nutshell is the business owner has to go that extra step to protect against those non-obvious hazards because the consumer who's running from his car because he forgot his umbrella isn't really going to be paying attention. You know, he's going to want to get avoid that heavy downpour. He's not worried about when he takes that next step, is that surface going to be slippery or not? And that's where you see a lot of problems happen. But that, yeah, and again, helping having your employees be super diligent about, right. you know, consumer safety. Those are the types of things that a business owner has to take seriously or else when it does happen, they're going to go back into preventative mode say, well, well, this guy did this, this guy did this rather than saying, you know, what did we do wrong? And I think that's where a lot of business owners make the mistake. We just went through one hell of a lawsuit and, you know, we didn't think that person was really hurt. But the reality is, is they had taken five minutes of precaution. It never would have happened. And that's really something that you got to take seriously and say, I don't want to be there again. So what can I do to change my behavior so I'm not there again? So, Carmen, do you play both sides of the fence in way, meaning like no. you represent and you're always going against the corporation. You're I'm, just always too, on the side, I'm always on the side of the consumer. But you're but you're trying to give other people tips so that they don't end up in a lawsuit. Just just of to course. Do it. Yeah. I mean, and that, that's, I mean, but the, and you really, when you're in court, you're shocked, right? At how negligent sometimes businesses are, right? And what their thought process is about the bottom line. And they don't look at these other things when treating Pete, customers I, and all that. Yeah. Pete, I could tell you stories that would make your head spin. Oh, I'm sure. Because people don't, uh, you know, they, they think, well, it's an added expense. What, why do I need to, to make that expense if the risk, and we're talking about risk, uh, is so low that the chance of it happening is, you know, almost nil? Well, almost nil isn't nil. And the other thing is you've got to also assess the seriousness of that risk, whether it's in the physical realm, you know, walking into a business or at a store or a corporation or whatnot, or you're online somewhere. You've got to analyze the the seriousness of a potential risk and then say, okay, what can I do to mitigate that risk? And is it worth me spending X number of dollars to make that risk go away? And if that amount is less than the costs of not doing it or of a company's, you know, uh, assets or the, the processes or the procedures that, you know, that are making money, well, then you should do it. If it's too much, like if it's going to cost you, you know, a hundred thousand dollars to fix a problem, but yet, you know, your company's only making a hundred thousand dollars, well, you're not going to fix the problem. It's not worth it. So there's a lot of things that that have to be weighed in. I mean, wouldn't you agree? Yeah. Well, you just talked about the Ford Pinto case all over again. Do you remember oh, the Ford Pinto case with the rear gas tank <laughs> blowing up? <laughs> that, that, that's the maker buy decision is made every day by businesses. And when that business owner walks through the door, he may know he needs a new front door because the hinges are falling off. 
is he going to make that change? No or way. Is he not? No. Of course not, Neil. He's not going to make that change. He's going to say, you know, do whatever you can to help the consumer get in the door. When you see somebody walk up to the door, run out and open it for them rather than spend that money. But you know, it's the best money he ever spent because when that door falls on somebody's head, let's hope it's an 18-year-old kid who can withstand the pressure and rather than a five-year-old kid with his mom. So right. why, why do school districts make that mistake a lot of times when they know they're not going to win and then they still just go after it? I, I'm an educational advocate and I've been in cases where literally I'm like, are you kidding me? You're going to fight this and there's no way you're winning. And you're going to keep because fighting it and spend this money and you're going to end up, you should settle now and be done with it and just give in instead of taking it all the way, thinking you have a shot at winning. It's ridiculous. Neil, because I think there's a lot of knuckleheads in the world who are pulling the strings. And, and I can give you some examples of that. I've been in cases which I could have settled right at the beginning for $1,500. At the end of the case, then they have to pay my attorney's fees and my client. And now they're arguing with me over how much they got to pay me in attorney's fees when they could have settled it for like peanuts on, to start off with because it was such a small injury. But the, the law says they're allowed, they have to pay my attorney's fees. So now they're paying their attorney's fees. They're paying my attorney's fees and they're, they're crying about this. And I look at them saying, exactly. I'm not going to give you, I'm not going to give you any mercy right, on this. Right. There's no way if you're, is your attorney going to cut their fees? I mean, and again, the, the, I like to make fun of the big banks here. They can't, they can't fix anything. They can't do anything right, in my opinion, but yet they fight you on it. And you say, look, here's your mistake. But they hire some tall building lawyers who are building you know, seven, $800 an hour. And these lawyers, I don't know if they're blowing smoke up, you know, the butts or whatever. Mm-hmm. But the point of it is, if you're wrong, you settle the damn case. If you're right and you got a legitimate fight, then you fight. And I'm not going to say don't fight if you're right. But if you're wrong, settle the case early on and fix the problem for next time. But it's those so guys. Like, and you just talked about like fixing a problem like with a door. So yep. what, what other, uh, I guess you could say like maybe known and unknown property hazards could there be at a business that maybe some business owners may not even think of that could, that could harm someone? Well, just if you if you have a foot traffic business or the retail store or whatever, just walk, do what the consumer does when they come in your office. They open the door, they walk in, they go to the front desk. Okay, have a seat in some of our client chairs. Check all the client chairs. Make it a point to check them once a month. It takes about five minutes to do, but you're doing it and you're diligent about it. And then if something ever does happen, you get to tell the jury, oh, by the way, we run checks every month to make sure all of our chairs are working, all of our rugs are clean, there's, they're vacuumed, there's nothing on the floor, we do inspections. Well, what happens when a consumer has to go to the bathroom? Okay, they go down the hall, they open the door. What happens there? Well, it's a small bathroom. We make sure that when all the employees use the bathroom that it's clean, there's nothing on the floor, there's no leaks. Okay, great. you got to have these systems in place to protect yourself. And I know it sounds crazy, but it's not something that no business owner can't do. Everybody can get involved and say, look, we're here to protect our clients and our consumers at, so that we don't get sued. I mean, nobody wants an insurance claim. Exactly. Nobody wants to fall in and hurt. It's not good for business. Do you see Do you see a situation at one point in time where security issues with that campus, a school, a college, or even a business that doesn't have the proper security in place and, and an active shooter happens or a serious, God forbid, uh, type of tragedy that they're going to be lawsuits based on that? Do you think it's coming down the pike or it's already happened and you've been involved in something like that? Well, I think in, in today's world, 
that you you got to have in a situation like that. And let's just use a college campus. Let's pick a University of South Florida, okay, where I went to college. It's a huge campus. Protection of of students has got to be the number one goal there. So they've got to have at least a minimum standard of what they're going to do. Right. Mm-hmm. But if you know uh, the 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 west side of um, the campus has had the most assaults, then you're going to have to beef up security over there. You can't just say we're going to spread it out. Everybody gets you know this that or the other. Everybody gets equal shares of this massive right. campus. So we're going to have one one uh, security guy in every acre of land can't do that. So what do you do? Well, if the West side is having problems, you're going to have to set up more security there. It's kind of like border wall right, fencing. Right. If you know people are coming through the Rio Grande. Okay. Let's put more security there. Let's put drones. Let's put this, let's put that. And I think campuses have a paramount duty to protect the students. Paramount. There can't be a bigger calling than to protect the students. Especially that's in- exactly. That's I'm, I'm preaching that all the time. <laughs> college safety it's, is huge. It's got to be. It's huge. And I have a daughter who's going away to college. So, of course, you're hitting a chord with me when you're talking about, you know, college safety. And again, you want, number one, you got to educate the students. You got to have, they all have to know how to protect themselves. You got to have the school who's got their own systems and the students got to know how to protect themselves. I've heard of some schools where they have, you know, all have apps now where the student, if they need a ride, there's a ride share. There's a ton of ways to do it. But if a student's walking home late from the library alone and says, well, it's just a five-minute walk, then they've taken matters into their own hands. Now you've got a situation where the school has gone over and above, yet the student has done, they've taken a deviant route or they've taken an alternative pattern. Is that the student's fault? Or should the school have been prepared for that? Right. That's a tough call. That's a jury question. That's one of those calls where you look at it and you say, okay, what what more could the school have done? The school has done A through Y, but they, should they have done Z? That's a tough call. That's really a tough call. And like you said, that'll depend on the jury and the situation and, and yeah. a host of, of, other, of other factors. Um, so if someone is injured, whether it's on a college campus or in a, in a corporation, what should be the first thing? that they do? Oh, good question. Number one, if they're injured, obviously call for medical attention immediately, whatever that is. Number two, you would have to contact the school. And this is where it gets a little dicey because I don't want to tell people to run to a lawyer right away. Because <laughs> if, if you're injured, you know, and there's, it's not that bad and the school takes responsibility, like they have a premise liability policy where you went to the emergency room, it was five grand, and they have a five grand insurance policy. All right, you know, I had a bloody knee, I fixed it, no big deal. Mm-hmm. And assault's a different story. Sure. Somebody gets assaulted on a college campus, now you're talking, okay, who owned the building? Did it happen at a fast food place? Who was responsible for the security at the fast food place? What was the protocols they used? And, you know, then you got to then you're probably going to need an attorney to figure this one out because ultimately if somebody did something wrong, you're still going to have to prove it in court. You can't just make allegations. Oh, well, you should have done this or you should have done that. What was the policy? What happened? Was it, you know, you go back to, was there a duty to protect the students? Of course. Did the, the, the person who was responsible for that duty breach it? Yeah. Was it foreseeable that if they breached the duty that somebody would get injured? And then was it the legal cause? 
Those are the four elements of negligence. You got to prove foreseeability. You got to prove legal cause. You got to prove duty. Of, uh, there was a duty to protect, and that they breached the duty. And then you get to the issue of damages, but you never get to damages unless you can prove all those other elements. Excellent. And, and of course, I would say, you know, make sure you file a police report so that there's an official record and accounting of everything, right? Yeah, without a doubt. That's obviously, you know, the first thing you want to do is if you're injured, get medical attention, but you also got to call the police report. And I was, I was including that in Mm -hmm. medical attention when you say, you got to report this to somebody. Sure. Have you taken any cases like that where it involves security? And poor security done in one of is that have you ever had those kind of lawsuits? Yes, but the last one I can tell you about I can't talk about. Sorry. Right, so I, that's fine. <laughs> that's okay. Sorry about that. No, that's all right. I, the, well, I mean, it, it just illustrates the point to, to people listening that it happens and it happens just like the situations we're just kind of envisioning and, and coming up with and some sort of what if scenarios. And there you're saying, yep. I'm dealing with them. I'm dealing with it now. And it's real. And it happens because these are things that happen all the time, no matter where, you know, somebody is. It's a, you know, commercial property, education, uh, at least at a restaurant. I mean, th- these things happen everywhere. And uh, and it's unfortunate. Cruise, uh, cruise ships. Oh, how about what's going to happen with these people on this cruise ship now? Oh, <laughs> Who's yeah, that's, that's coming Trust me. That's man, that's hairy. They had to, you know, take everybody off on a helicopter. Can I think I think I think taking a chance taking a cruise, you're pretty much rolling the dice that something's gonna happen. You know. I would think you have to sign something that says, Hey, there's a chance that there could be some major problems. I don't you know? think people don't do that. And then the truth of the matter is if you see if you hear about all the bad cruise ship uh, fiascos, carnival cruise, places like that, they don't do anything and then they don't try to take care of their uh, customers at all in certain aspects. So you, the cruises watch out for them. I'm sure he's well, gotten those phone calls, Carmen. I'm sure about just cruises. <laughs> read the read the back of the tickets that you buy when you buy a cruise. That's I was I'm just saying. gonna say, there's got to be fine print, <laughs> and you would know, right? It's gonna say we are not responsible for Mother Nature, right? Acts yep. of nature, and that's basically, yep. you know, if you're caught in high seas and you get washed overboard, hey, we told you that could happen. We told you exactly. And now you go to court, it's like, now what? Well, hey, you signed off on it. You got on the boat. You knew it was happening. By buying this ticket, you agree to A through Z, <laughs> right? <laughs> and uh, you may be uh, you know, up the creek. You may not have a leg to stand on, but no, depending on what happens, I'm sure there's other things that can then occur. But uh, yeah, I mean, you exactly know what you're getting into, I think, is a, is a great takeaway from that. That's for sure. Um, so if something does happen... Are there what, what what I mean? It's kind of a tough question, but are there certain parameters where you can sue for personal injury versus not sue for personal injury? Like, let's just take that cruise ship example. You know, you're caught on a cruise ship. You know, the seas are rough. A table goes sliding down, smashes you into the leg. You break a leg. Okay, what do you do? Who's liable? It's a good question. That's a really good question, and you might even get into issues of um, products liability there. Was the table manufactured in a reasonable manner? And there's there's just a whole host of issues there that would have to be investigated. You'd obviously want to look for videotape and see was there anything videotape out there so we could really see what happened because most of the time the people never see it coming, and all right. of a sudden, bam! You know, what do you do? And yeah, is what it can you reason- do when you're rolling in crazy high seas and stuff's flying all over the place? I mean, you know, batting down the hatches, huddle under your hatch, <laughs> literally. And it is not a whole lot you can do because the risks are, are going to be there. Right. I mean, are there, I'm assuming, you know, there are 
times when you can sue versus when you can't sue? I mean, is there like sort of a, a general, uh, I guess you could say, uh, a, a general statement you could make about that, about when you could or, or could not sue for something that's personal injury related? I mean, obviously, yeah, well, you do it to yourself. I mean, you always got to look at, you know, what are the circumstances surrounding it? And you go back to a general negligence theory, okay? Was the business owner slash cruise line negligent? And you got to ask yourself, honestly, those four elements. Was there a duty? Did they have a duty to protect the consumer or the person who's walking in the door? Did they breach that duty? And that's got to be clear. You got to have a duty and it's got to be breached. And then it's got to be the legal cause and it's got to be foreseeable that if this person didn't do what they were supposed to do, that, that somebody could get hurt. And that's where you always start with those four bedrock principles. And if you don't have any damages, you don't have a lawsuit. Right. And the people don't understand that. Oh, well, you know, I, I, I was on a cruise ship and I went and got my lunch and there was broken glass in it. Well, did you eat the broken glass? No. I'm sorry. You don't have a case. There you know, you- and again, that's horrible. It's a horrible thing to see. And it's a horrible thing to do. But a dead spider in my food. Okay. Did you eat it? No, I did not. Did you get sick? No, I did not. I'm really sorry. Case closed. Now, there might be attorneys who take that because the person was traumatized. I wouldn't. It's just not my thing. I want to know that the person is truly damaged and they meet all the qualifications that I require before I'm going to file a lawsuit against somebody. And that's kind of interesting because we seem to be in this place in society today where a lot of people, not everybody, but a lot of people look at a lawsuit and then, you know, could be a frivolous lawsuit, but they look at a lawsuit as a way to easy money. It's like, you know what? I mean, we could go back and look at that, you know, hot coffee McDonald's case years and years ago. You know, you know, the coffee's hot. You spill the coffee on yourself. Well, they managed to get money out of that. But there are so many, I think, people that that don't think it through. They look at it as a way to maybe, you know, make an easy buck uh, without thinking it all the way through. I mean, have you seen or maybe your colleagues, have they seen an increase in, I guess, you know, frivolous lawsuits from people that maybe you're desperate and looking to make a quick buck or not? You know, it, it's, that would be, a, and it, I bet you each attorney could answer that question for themselves. We're fortunate where we get to pick and choose the cases that we want to bring. So for example, if you brought me a case, we're going to thoroughly vet that case out before I file a lawsuit. You know, right. if you're going to, if you're going to say, Carmen, I slipped and fell at a restaurant on Saturday night. Okay. How many witnesses were there? Who saw it? Who did you report it to? Is there videotape? I want the videotape. I want to talk to all the witnesses before I'm ever going to file a lawsuit. I want to read the insurance policy. I want to know who was responsible for the grounds, what they did wrong before I'm going to file a lawsuit. So you really got to investigate those claims. Same thing with anything that happens on a cruise ship or, you know, somebody walks into your business and says, oh, I walked in the door and I slipped and fell. Okay. What'd you fall on? What kind of shoes were you wearing? Where had you been before that? You know, were you just in a gas station where you had oil all over your shoes and you tracked oil into my store and you fell? Yeah, oh, interesting. Of, a, sure, a sure. lot of moving parts, a lot of moving parts in those types of cases. And again, it comes down to the consumer or the, the business owner being aware of his surroundings, trying to make them as safe as possible. The employees trying to make it as safe as possible. And then if an accident does truly happen, okay, you know, that's what you buy insurance for. Again, for that accident that truly happens. But I always tell people, whenever you're looking at a lawyer on TV, and in Florida, we have to have the law books behind us, you know, making us look (laughs) smart. 
I know you're laughing at us, but it's kind of embarrassing. But the reality is, is those books were filled with stories about you're never going to believe what happened, but, and then that's what those stories are, stories that never were supposed to happen, but then it happens. Now you got to figure out who is at fault, why were they at fault, and how do we compensate the victim if it's truly an act of negligence? Yeah, all the case law. Right, exactly. So, so how about the guy a couple of weeks ago that slipped on purpose and was caught on camera? Oh, would you hope, have been I happy? Hope. Were you been happy, Cameron, if you had to take that t- case and then you found out later and saw the tape? No, I would not be happy with that clown at all if that was you know, if that was one of my clients. But I, I ask him right up front. I, I ask him right up front. If I find out that you are going to do this, you realize that uh, we're going to go New Jersey on you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, you tell them. They understand. Sure, because you know you're wasting your time, your energy, your money, and everything, and your resources, and you know, my reputation on the line, and your right? reputation, absolutely, absolutely, and it means a lot. It really does. I mean, you get branded as an attorney who's bringing frivolous cases. Word's going to spread like wildfire. You don't want that, right? No, it's, it's that's ridiculous. So when you do have uh, a valid case, and I mean, there are many of them in your twenty plus years. Uh, of course, it's going to be all over the board, but uh, when you decide to pursue a case, file a lawsuit, uh, what would you say on average, uh, it probably could be a big average, but the average time to process, uh, you know, that, and then, you know, what would the, the outcome most of the time be? Well, uh, let's just say, we're, are we talking about somebody who gets hurt in, on a business? Yeah, like, like a personal injury thing, you know, an average time. From the time they file it, can they say, well, don't expect to see a dime for three years, you know, that kind it, of thing. I would guesstimate between roughly 12 months to 18 months before you're even in a position to start settling the case or even getting ready to file so a So what if the company doesn't have the money to pay for it? What happens then, well, Carter? The, the question would be is, do they have insurance? What if they don't? If they don't have insurance and they don't have any money, I would really have to sit and evaluate the assets of the company to determine whether or not it's worth pursuing. Because like Pete said, that company could either close up or file bankruptcy. And then you have to tell your client, this is a bad business decision. I mean, the practice of law, as wonderful as it is, it's still a business. And if I take too many cases that I don't make any money on, well, then my employees are not going to be employees anymore. They're going somewhere else. And my clients, they might be really happy that I've won them these great judgments, which is only a piece of paper that says, all right, John Smith wins uh, from XYZ Corporation $100,000, but he can never collect on it. So what good is it? Right. And that's, uh, you know, unfortunately, that's what you were saying earlier in the program about the the medical, the, the company down in Florida by you. You yep. know, they, they went out of business, so nobody gets anything from that, you know, and it's unfortunate. It really, it's a, you know, it's a good thing in the first place. It when, when it, you know, when, and again, in a big, in a big case like that with a big data breach, the reality is, is they're going to, the insurance companies come in and the lawyers are going to come in and they're going to try to settle that thing as fast as possible before people realize how da- badly damaged they are. I mean, if you think about it today, you know that if you're part of the FEMA data breach, holy crap, my information's out there now forever. Yep. Forever. And it's, if it's, I mean, I laugh at these dark web companies, you know, oh, your information may be out there on the dark web, but it's real. And you don't mind that call <laughs> yeah, it the yeah, dark yeah. web, but it's real. 
And sure. people don't realize how much their data and their their personal information is worth. Right. And you try to talk to you try to talk to young people about this and say, look, don't give your personal information over the internet. And they sit there and go, why not? I can get this free thing. Oh boy, here we go. And they don't realize how important it is because that information's never going to go away. And, no, so, and so what about reputation? Uh, have you had lawsuits where, uh, again, because you're taking on the small man, has the small man gotten reputations taken away, a small business that somebody has really ruined their reputation? Does that, why is there really not much liability on the internet? You know, blogs or different things that are put up that could be fake news, and yet there's no way of really going after somebody on that kind of situation. Because it's an absolute free-for-all. I'll be honest with you. It's an absolute free-for-all. And we had a situation arise where there was a website or a website out of Washington. And what they were doing is posting people's information who had um, VD or venereal diseases, like, uh, you know, horrifying things. And they were outing people who had these things. So I was called by our local news media and said, what would you do? And I said, well, in Florida, I'd sue him. And the guy called me up. He wrote me a threatening letter saying, <laughs> you said you would sue me, blah, blah, blah. And I wrote him back very simply said, I just hope anybody you outed doesn't find me as your attorney because I will sue you. There's no doubt about it. I will haul you into court in Florida. And then you can test our theories as to what you think you're eligible to say under the First Amendment or under the Florida laws. You can test it here, but you will be sued. And he did not like that at all. No, I can imagine not. <laughs> so if somebody is facing uh, a personal injury lawsuit, right. where can they go to find a lawyer? Because, I mean, there it seems like there, there are a lot of different lawyers. You don't know really, you know, who to, to trust, who to go to, who's recommended. What would you say in terms of where, where should somebody go to start their search for a reliable attorney? Okay, if they have insurance, then the insurance company is duty-bound to hire a lawyer for them, provide them with a lawyer, okay? Mm -hmm. Let's say they don't have liability insurance for some reason or another, and they just open up a small business and they get you know, somebody falls on their ice cream truck or whatever. Well, then I would personally, what I would do is I would call a good personal injury attorney and say, look, who's the biggest jerk lawyer out there you know who's going to make this plaintiff's life a living hell if, I sue, if he sues them? And we all know who they are. <laughs> but interesting. You know, yeah. Well, you know, you think about it, you say, okay, you know, if, if there's, a, there's an insurance company out there who represents automobiles. I don't really like them that much, right? Because when I sue them, they make my life a living hell. So guess where I buy my auto insurance from? Oh. If I'm ever in an accident and somebody wants to sue me, I don't want them to have an easy time. I don't want an insurance company that's going to stroke a check really easy. I want somebody who's going to have to work for that money. Gotcha. And I know that sounds bad, but the reality is, is you know, an insurance company is going to raise my rates no matter what. If they're not going to fight for me and say, look, you know, my guy's right. Now, I'll be the first one to tell you. I've had accidents before. I've backed into cars. I get out and say, here's my information. Call my insurance company. And if you have any problem with them, at all paying this claim, call me and I will sue my own insurance company for not doing what they're supposed to do. Because I was wrong. I backed into your car. It's my fault. And wow. I will help you pay that, get that claim paid because that's what I bought the insurance for. So Interesting. I won't, I won't lie to my insurance company to try to save myself a few bucks. That's not the way it works. 
But if I'm right and I didn't do anything wrong, then I don't want my insurance company paying a claim. That's ridiculous. And unfortunately, a lot of people do that. They will, you know, they'll say, hey, that wasn't me. I didn't back into them. They backed into me. Really? That's why the dent's on their door and yours is on your rear bumper. (laughs) I didn't know a car could drive that way. (laughs) I I guess, you know, think about it. Growing up in New Jersey, everything is about accountability. You know what I mean? And for me, accountability is big. So I don't like it when a client comes in and they're going to fabricate a story. I've been around the block too many times. I see it. I can say, look, I don't like your case. There's about five other attorneys I can give you the name of. They'll probably take this case, but I'm not going to do it. It's not worth my time and effort to jerk around with somebody who's not going to be honest with me. But when somebody is honest with you, you take them for what they're worth, and then you got to fight for them and say, you know what? Wrong is wrong. Let's get you compensated for what you lost because that's not fair. So it comes down to right is right and wrong is wrong. What is the reason, especially it seems like you're very busy with your law firm, to come on a show like this to promote uh, and teach us a lot of the different things about helping the little man beat the big man when things are wrong? especially? Well, I think in today's world, there's, you know, when I started out, it's a great question, by the way, Neil, thank you for that. Um, When I started out, I didn't have the manpower, the reputation, or the money to take on the big guys. Right. So I had to refer those cases out. But I always knew one day that I would be in a position to help that consumer who couldn't help themselves. So you might say I have a complex or that I, I really don't like the way businesses take advantage of consumers. I like big, I like business. Business has to be run the right way. And when a business gets too big where they think that they're better than the consumer or they can take advantage of the consumer, then I get upset. And I think, you know what, that's a bad business decision, but I think business can be run. It can be run right. And yet keep the safeguards in place to make sure that the consumer, the client, the small individual can still put their trust in that company and say, you know what? They do the right thing every time. They don't hedge. They don't cut corners. They don't, you know, if the if door's falling off, they don't let the door fall off. They don't use weak chairs in their conference room. The rugs aren't peeling up at the end where I can trip and fall. They do the right thing every time. And if businesses were run that way with integrity, then I think it would be a different world. It's a very good statement. And, you know, the majority of them do, but there are yeah, absolutely. many, unfortunately, that do not. And uh, and I hear you. It's kind of like a pet peeve, right? It's like, yeah. you know what? You're not doing the right thing. You should be doing the right thing. And guess what? Now I got somebody that's going to come after you for not doing the right thing. And I'm going to be more than happy to come after you for that. And I applaud you for that because, you know, I, I'm also a Jersey boy. I grew up in North Jersey. And you're, like you said, right is right and wrong is wrong. And if somebody is not doing the right thing, they need to be held accountable for that. And so that's that's a fantastic, you know, I think, point of view to have to be able to, to tell people, look, there's hope for you. You know, don't yep. feel that just because you're an individual and you are up against a huge corporation or a huge financial institution or whatnot, that you have no chance of seeing, you know, any sort of, you know, resolution that's going to be in your favor. No, there is a there is a, a chance and there's a good chance depending on what it is that we're looking at here. And that's where, like you said, you come in, you vet them, you look at all the facts, you determine whether or not it's something that you're willing and is worth pursuing. And then here you go. 
here I come, right? <laughs> 100 miles an hour. 100 miles an hour. 100 miles so an hour. What is the, uh, we'll, we'll start to wrap up, but what is the one thing that you would, you would say to people about staying safe? And I guess probably, you know, with regard to what, what it is that we're talking about here today. Just, I, I guess, just really just pay attention and know your surroundings. Really, just take this, put the darn cell phone down when you're walking, put it down when you're driving, and pay attention to what's really going on around you. And again, it's just, I guess, it's just where I grew up that we always knew our surroundings. And I, I have a constant sense of knowing what's happening around me. I'm always looking out. Now, do I miss things? Of course, every once in a while, you know, I might say, wow, how did I miss that? I can't believe I missed that. But it's always really just paying attention to what's going on around you, watching out, opening the door. And maybe it's the business I'm in. I'm always cautious. You know, I see somebody, don't run up and pet the dog. Yeah. Ask the owner, may I pet the dog? Is it okay? Is it safe to pet the dog? That doesn't mean the dog's going to bite, not going to bite you, but right. you never know. And if you ask permission rather than just run up, because I've seen so many kids get mauled by dogs, it's, it's horrifying. And it possibly could have been prevented. So, I mean, for me, know your surroundings. I guess what I want to say is, you know, teach your kids to know their surroundings as well so that they don't put themselves in positions where they could be a victim. Excellent. And I, I tell people that all the time. Be My, my personal mantra that, that I use all the time is you need to be armed with awareness. Because like it's something that you can never be that can never be taken away from you. Okay, right. like any any device can be taken away from you. Any weapon can be taken away from you. But your awareness can never be taken away from you. So right. if you're always aware of the people around you, the places where you are going, and the objects around you, the surroundings, whether it's a, a safety risk or just you know what's going on or what maybe you could use as an improvised you know, weapon or something to protect you, uh, against even a dog, you know, coming right. at you, you know, right. Um, these are things that if we live in a state of heightened awareness, okay, not paranoia, but just not being paranoia. in a state of heightened awareness about things that are around us, things that are, there could be potential risks that we're going to be a lot safer. The world's going to be a lot safer. And, you know, people in general are going to have a lot less to worry about. And there will be, uh, you know, more and more companies out there that are doing the right thing because they're going to be more aware of the things that could be potential risk to their patrons, to their employees, to their clients, to their vendors, to whoever, both in the physical standpoint of being in their in their business, in their building, et cetera, but also with regard to the safeguards that they have in place or don't have in place uh, with the online you know, world with the data of those people that they're doing business with. And, you know, we've, we've touched on both of those, but you know what, they're two sides of the same coin. And I say right. it all the time. You have your, your safety in the physical world and you have your safety in the digital world. And you have to be aware of the risks that exist in both of them. And uh, you've given us a really good perspective on ways that you can improve your safety in the physical world and some things that corporations need to, you know, think about and take to heart. And also that, you know, consumers and the individual can say, you know what, hey, um, a lot of this is on me, but when it's not on me, then at least I know that there's somebody that can go out and they can fight for what is right. 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 I agree with that. That's great. Well said. I like that a lot. Very well said. Thank you. 
Sure. And uh, we appreciate you having on. And you got anything there, Neil? Uh, I guess pretty much we've said it all. Uh, I think that ultimately it's the contact an attorney is a very, very important thing. Uh, One of the things I would say is, Carmen, I think you recommend that any small business or business alone should have some sort of legal representation if it uh, because you never know when something's going to happen. Right. Right. I agree. Yes. Make sure you got enough insurance too. always, always insurance. Nobody likes buying insurance, but the reality is, is when you need it, you want it there to protect you. So make your insurance agent your friend. Excellent. And mine is. Mine's been mine for over 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> um, so if uh, if people are interested in learning more about you, Carmen, and uh, and your services, where can our listeners go to learn more? Oh, you can go to our website. And, I mean, our website's www.delutrylawgroup.com. Um, and we'll have that. It. I'm all over the web, I guess. You know, it's we have a pretty big social media presence, but really we, our firm is big on giving away free information. If somebody has questions or anything, I'll be more than sh- happy to shoot a video, a blog or something like that and answer questions for people. So that helps them out in any way I possibly can. Oh, that's fantastic. We appreciate that. And uh, so, yeah, thanks. Thanks, uh, Carmen, so much for being on the show. And, you know, thanks to our listeners for tuning in to Safety Talk. Uh, you uh, We'll be able to listen to this episode, see us on, on YouTube, and uh, it's out. it'll be out there on the various podcast networks. So make sure you get uh, any of your information, the latest news about safety at safetytalkpodcast.com. And next week, we'll have another great guest for you guys, and uh, we'll uh, see what that'll hold in store. So until next time, everybody stay safe. And Carmen, thanks again. Thank you, Pete. Thank you, Neil. Have a All great right. night. You're welcome. Thanks for tuning in to Safety Talk. You can listen to past episodes and get the latest safety news at our website, safetytalkpodcast.com. Be sure to visit our other websites for free safety checklists and infographics. You can also sign up for free online self-defense training, learn about college campus safety, and find out more about Pete and how he can help educate your school or business through his speaking, workshops, seminars, and consulting. Subscribe to the Safety Talk podcast and never miss out on any new safety information. Until next time, stay safe.